Welcome everyone to a new episode of the Haptics Club podcast. I'm Eric from Interaptics and I'm joined by the, our Haptics crew. Today they're not here, but they usually are. There's Manu from Unity, Ashley from Titan Haptics, Sarah of Interaptics and Heisen Irina from Sensiglove. The Haptics Club is a team of people that have a passion for haptics. Our goal is to raise awareness of the amazing tech and people in haptics and to foster interest in discussion on the subject. We are so happy to have been able to contribute to the space together for season three or four, we never remember, of the Haptic Club with even more surprises and exciting guests. Today, we have Elisa Santella from Gravius. There's much to learn and talk about, so we'll start off this chat as we do with some questions to get to know our guests. We'll then take a deep dive in our, her, our expertise and, of course, include some questions about the challenges and opportunity on haptics from there, from her perspective. Timing-wise, we will divide the hour in five minutes intro, 15 minutes for the era of expertise, 10 minutes for the future of haptics. At the 30 minutes mark, we stop the recording and open up the floor for the audience to ask your questions to the guest. So be ready. To anyone listening to our podcast, you're missing out. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at, Haptic, uh, at Haptics Club and sign up to our newsletter that's linked into uh, its Twitter handle. We have also have a website, so www.thehapticsclub.com, where you will see all the future events. Starting with this, let's talk about haptics here. So, Elisa, it's a pleasure to have you here. So, please introduce yourself and tell us what's your background. Yeah. So thank you very much for the introduction. It's really a pleasure and an honor to be here and. Um, yeah, a little bit about myself. So my name is Elisa Santella. I'm one of the two managing directors here of the company Gravus. And what we are mainly doing is integration of active haptic feedback in um, all applications. And um, my background specially is um, as yeah, I'm one of the founding members of the Gravis in 2007. Um, I started my, yeah, I would like to say career in the automotive industry. And um, yeah, so I know a lot about the requirements of the automotive OEMs as well as, of course, my team um, also have. I'm focused on automotive not only because I love cars, so we just talked about um, Eric <laughs> and um, so we we started as a yeah component um, supplier for the automotive in the acoustic, and uh, now we are doing exactly the same. So we are providing the customers with um, active haptic solutions and actuators at the end, um, and we do a good job like colleagues. So because we we know the requirements and we know the disciplines and we know how. Um, yeah, it is not easy to integrate as well as active and uh, active haptic and acoustic feedback in application. Um, we we support our customers and my team, especially with our, um, all the technical guys. And I'm a little bit more focused in the commercials on the commercial side, um, but um, where we help the customers to integrate active haptic feedback. So that would like to say this is uh, the key point. So we are solution providers. Okay, thanks for sharing. So you mentioned a little bit that you started as an acoustic company, right? And you moved to haptics. Uh, when did you realize that opportunity and how that uh, um, pilot, let's say in some way or form, happened? 
Yeah, um, yeah. Thank you for your question. So it it is um, as we are from the acoustics. So we know a lot about two technologies. There are electromagnetic and piezoelectric based technologies. So we started in 2015, 2016. We started with the with the haptics, and uh, this was some kind of yeah. Um, idea from from one of our customers at that time so we talked about um, exciters and voice coils because they're uh, technology electromagnetic based and we talked about um, projects about acoustics and how to integrate it as an acoustic component and then we started to um, go more in detail in this technology and in the haptics and uh, at this point we figure out okay so we have the technology, we have the know-how about the frequencies because we are talking as well as in the acoustics and in the haptics, we are talking about frequencies. Um, we know a lot about that. And so that was the point where I also figure out so it is a cool point and a cool thing to to bring in the automotive. And as we are familiar with all the requirements in the automotive and then the household appliance, it was quite easy to see, okay, so if the acoustic component will fit in a an application, so why will not, uh, yeah, do it also with the haptics? So it was, um, yeah, some kind of yeah starting point with one customer, and then we go through a lot of other projects. Understood. That's 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 a great intro. Thanks, Elisa. So I would like to right now to dive deeper in your area of expertise for the next fifteen minutes. So. Uh, let's imagine that you're explaining this to someone new to the space. So um, what's the value and how is haptics can bring value in the automotive industry? Yeah, so good question. And and um, as I have, you know, when you try to explain what you're doing in your in your with your family and with your friends, or so you always try to explain how the technology is working and so on. But I think um, the best explanation is imagine that you will um, reduce all the buttons in your car. Well, so what happens? So you have no buttons in your car. Maybe you only have touch screens or you have smart surfaces or whatever. So you will miss something because at the point where you would like to to I don't know turn on the lights or you will change the position of your seat or whatever you are used to have this haptic feedback so it's a passive haptic feedback because we are talking about switches and buttons and if you would like to have it in a future car where no buttons are inside um, you will think about okay where what what I would like to feel and in this moment I think um, active haptic feedback is a good point to start and to um, talk about the technology itself but I think at this point every people will say okay I know it because from my smartphone I have a feedback when I press a button where it's not a button because it is a touch display and so this is the way I describe usually what I'm doing because if we're talking to people that are not familiar with uh, active haptic feedback it's quite yeah, it's difficult to explain what we are doing um, but I think that is a good explanation how the this technology or how we will bring this technology into a car. 
Great, thanks for sharing. So yeah, we, we like to ask these questions to multiple people so that our listener can get you know, their own ideas about what haptics is. Everyone sees it from his side. So thanks for sharing. So one thing that is well known in the market, specifically those in automotive, I doubled myself with automotive haptics a little bit. So um, we know that uh, designing great haptics product is a tedious process. This is true in every way. Uh, Chris, a few, in a few haptics club ago, say that this is a, because it's a system problem, right? So it involves mechanics, actuation, human input. So uh, one of the big questions uh, that always happen in today engineering is that how can we speed up this process? So, and I think this is connected a little bit with the discussion, the quantification of haptics is, is what this podcast uh, partially should focus on. So on your side, uh, how we can we speed up this process and what are you bringing on the table to make these things happen? Yeah, yeah, that's, it's it's quite difficult. So um, I don't know if if everybody here knows it, but um, you you Eric, you know I'm I'm chair of the automotive working group in the haptic industry forum, and we are especially doing this work. So we we try to figure out how to standardize haptics to speed up. Um, the industrialization of haptics as well as to reduce this development cost that you that you mentioned and for this you need some kind of design guidelines like the hd haptics uh, which um, is one of the of the um, documents and of the things their uh, standards bring from 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 the haptic industry forum and we are actually working on the document um, in regards of measuring haptic feedback um, but i think to speed up, um, I think you need to bring all these disciplines together. So it's not um, not that easy. You cannot integrate an, an actuator in an application, for example, I would like to say in the display, for example, and I will bring in, I don't know, a piezoelectric component or electromagnetic component and we say, OK, I can simulate everything. So that's not possible. As you said, and also Chris mentioned, um, and, and, and the former podcast, you need to bring a lot of disciplines together. So, for example, the mechanical concept of the of, of the of the complete application, the acoustic performance, the the haptic performance, or so the acceleration on the, the surface, um, and the driving of the actuator. All these things you need to bring together, and it's not easy. You cannot simulate all these things and say, "Okay, I will bring it in, and then I will uh, I have a, a acceleration at the end and say, "Oh, I have 5G on the surface. Nice, I, I achieve my goal." Um, that's not that easy. So that's the reason why I think I I, I think and a lot of people um, are also familiar with the, with those things because if you would like to implement design guidelines it will be a first step or to introduce documents like the haptic industry forum is doing with the standards um, that makes the first step in in a project much easier um, but to reduce this development costs and to say i would like to uh, bring all those things on on some kind of simulation software that is not that easy and um, that's also the reason why quantification it's always depending on so many disciplines and i think that's the biggest goal that we have in the haptics is to bring all these things together in some kind of network and um, i don't know if this answered the questions well but um, i think the point is that 
you cannot simulate everything in the haptics because there are so many different um, parameters and characteristics you need to bring together. I mean, you, you burn through my next question, so that's no. <laughs> So, I mean, uh, to recap a little bit, I think um, it, you, you, you mentioned that, okay, one value would be to actually document best practices, and this is something the Haptic Industry Forum is doing. Who doesn't know, Haptic Industry Forum is an industrial association about haptics. So if you're interested, check it out or contact Elisa. Um, the second prayer uh, items would be to quantifying these uh, pieces of the chain. So that involves the acceleration mechanics, uh, humans and uh, interfacing. So that you have a pretty much like, let's say, audio video references on how to build the complete stack and not be uh, just dependent on, uh, let's say, you change ERM for, uh, I know, voice coils and uh, you don't know what's going to happen because if you have an idea on what's all the chain, that you have a pretty good idea of what's going to happen. And the third one is that um, how much these things can be simulated. So, Elysia uh, mentions it's, it's we are far away because we don't have nailed down the single processes. Maybe in the future, more finger processes are nailed down, more we can simulate, so even more reduce. Did I summarize it well, Elisa? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think another good example would be if you if you are talking about an ERM, for example. So we are talking about a component and well-known technology and actuator. And um, if you're talking about the specification of one component, um, so the ERM itself, um, you have some kind of specification. You have frequency range, you have acceleration, you have mass, and so on. Um, but how to bring this? Um, technical specification in the application where I can put an, an ERM, for example, in a steering wheel, as well as in a gaming pad, as well as in a sex toy or whatever. So all these things can't be, I would like to say, simulate. That's the reason why we need to um, go in deep analysis in one application. Okay, I understand. So that's about being haptics has to be uh, specific uh, applications driven. Okay, um, so um, you mentioned a little bit about this quantification for haptics specifically in the automotive market because that's where your big area of expertise comes from. If I understood correctly, you came from passive haptics, so coming from buttons, and then right now you went to haptics, haptics, so it means simulating buttons with actuation, right? So how much of that finding and expertise can be exported to other fields? gaming, VR, uh, sex toys. So is there a, a large overlap that you can bring um, in these markets and helping to uh, implement the like guidelines and or uh, having this accelerated engineering process? Or we need to you need to basically start from scratch because it's a completely different application. Um, it, it really depends. If we are talking about vibrotactile um, haptic feedback and we are talking about a surface, um, then we can maybe um, um, extract some of the of the things where uh, of the of the for example of the parameters of the characteristic of um, of one uh, of an up, one application in the automotive, for example, the display or whatever. Um, then we can extract some of this information, some of this um, 
um, parameters, uh, physical parameters, when we can put in another application, um, maybe a trackpad and a computer, um, but to to put it in and uh, to extract it and to put in, for example, a sex toy, completely other a way how to quantify and how to measure and how to specify and to how to write down some kind of book of requirements. Um, this is not that easy. So that's the reason why you always need to consider the application with the actuators and the surface and so on. So it's you cannot combine the things. Understand. So basically, uh, if I can rephrase, is that if there is a similar human-machine interaction action involved in this case, if there is a surface and you interact with the surface, there is something that can be brought upon because fundamentally the human's loop is the same. However, if the human loop changes, in the case sex toys, in the case VR, VR controller or gaming controller, then you need to restart from scratch because the human intention and is different. So you, you have to reconsider everything. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's that's a good way to put it, and it's good that there is some overlap there. It makes makes a lot of sense. So, um, and let's change a little bit subject here. So, what makes this haptic space so exciting to you, so that you're spending, I you know, a uh, lot of your professional life life on that. Um, I think um, creating something that actually is not available i think that makes things really challenging for me especially I, I love challenges um so really to create something new and to be part of um new things will come in the future so um i, I think we will talk about future uh, in, in also during this this podcast but um i think being part of of new technology and to implement this technology in, in for example, an automotive for me is automotive the most important because, yeah, as I said, I love cars and um, I, I love to be um, part of this community and to know people um, designing haptics and to 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 bring our ideas and to bring my ideas or the, the ideas of my team and how to integrate it in future cars. Um, this is something um, is really challenging and be part of this community and be part of this trends because active haptic feedback is something is known from 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 game pads or is known from the PS5 or whatever and you know it from from um, other points but um, on the other application but to bring this in a car in a um, in a new surfaces in new application new ideas um, this is something is is really very cool and i really like it because there are some ideas right now with our customers and um, because of nda as you know i'm not allowed to say a lot of things about that but um, there will come a lot of new things about smart technologies new ideas how to integrate it in 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 surface where you at the moment you will not think about and um, that makes things really very interesting and challenging um, for, from from the, the side of the actuator so as we are actuator deliver uh, supplier at the end but also to be part of this of this trend and of the, this technology and um, you know, this community in this network because 
at the end, haptics is all about networking. You need to know people um, who are able to do sensing and people who are doing the software and the driving and the actuators and to bring all these people together and to talk with really experts. This is really very cool and I really like this this um, networking idea and to bring the people together like um, HIF or Haptic Industry Forum being part of this or Eurohaptics or Smart Haptics or whatever. So meet people there who also have the same um, passion for, for this technology and to, to have the same goals and the same targets and the scope. So that's yeah, that's really that's challenging is something where I say, OK, that's that's cool to be part of this community. Oh, that's that's pretty good, cool. and I know that most of the people in haptics are there because it's it's, it's you're passionate about it. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly for money, just do something else, probably better. Maybe in the yep. future will be a bit of some money in the market, but right now it's still um, say partially passion driven. So um, let's right now jump in in our most popular section, which is the really the future of haptics. So uh, the idea in this stage is really don't be afraid to be wrong. I mean, this is the point. It's, I mean, a prediction are 95% wrong, maybe 99% wrong. And what uh, we are trying to capture here is uh, what is uh, the feeling of the insights about the haptics future. And uh, we hope that through this podcast, also people who are interested can understand where things are going. So um, then where do you see haptics in five to 10 years? in your domain, so specifically automotive haptics. Yeah, so um, I, I love this part of the podcast. <laughs> As you said, nothing is wrong or everything is wrong. Um, I, I personally think um, that there, especially in the automotive for the next five to 10 years, we are really talking about smart surfaces and we are talking about designers. So these are the two main topics I would, I would go a little bit more in detail. So one of this part is the smart surfaces. So everything, but now only a surface with leather and plastic and whatever will be smart in the future. And you will have functions in your car, which you won't imagine right now, or uh, which be integrated in much more nice ways and, and designed much better. And why I say design designers and designs, that's I think I personally think, and I talk with a lot of designers in, in the automotive, and um, I think they will integrate haptics more and more in the future, and they will more think about um, how it feels if I press a button. So now we have a specific way of thinking how a button should feel like, um, but I think designers will go in, in other directions with their um, haptics analysis and what they're thinking how uh, also the co cockpit of the future should feel and look like. Um, so I personally think that designers will uh, will work much much closer with engineers uh, to design new haptic sensations uh, in a car for for smart surfaces or for, for displays. So Till the moment we will um, have this, this this haptic feedback for as a as an information center, as an information part of the car. In the moment where we are talking about entertainment in the car, because we have uh, autonomous driving and, and and we will not 
is not needed anymore to feel a, um, a switch if I, I don't know, if, if I would like to uh, start the, the heating of my car or whatever. Um, then we are talking about entertainment and then we are talking about complete other ways how haptics will maybe feel in the car. Um, but I think for the next five to ten years, so before starting really autonomous driving of the cars, I think this, this designers and smart surface in the car will be um, much more focused on how the car of the, of the, of the car of the future should feel and um, a switch maybe should feel or a smart surface should feel and um, this is something i think will be very very um interesting also for us as the as the supplier of the actuator because what are the requirements we will maybe receive from this from these people and um so i i i think that designers will be much more focused on other ways of haptic sensations. But let me build on this. Um, how about, I mean, not, if you have autonomous driving, right, you don't need haptics, right? I have some of the reason why which haptics was in automotive, at least when I was meddling with that 2015, something like that, was about security, right? Is that, okay, uh, touchscreens are uh, great because therefore design perspective is fine. You bring on your your interaction uh, frameworks from telephones, so it's it's much better. They look sleek. It's it's easier to make a clean a, a clean car. Cool. Problem is I need to check if I have a confirmation, so I have to put haptics, so I reduce the problems. Fine. Uh, building on this, uh, if you don't have autonomous driving, right? Um, in some way or form, you have the car taking over in some act. Activities and some other activities it doesn't take over, right? And uh, uh, as we all know, uh, drivers should focus on on this, on the on the on, on how to uh, where the car is going. Should not be focused on what the car is telling to them. Which uh, strategies you feel that the car could put in place to help uh, um, this semi-autonomous driving to? facilitate this car-human communication to manage this uh, uh, this uh, this transition of um, I take over, you take over. Yep. Do we have some ideas here? Yeah, I, I think my, so that the, the word here is some kind of multimodal car or cockpit of the future. So we are talking here about um, haptics on, on, on parts of the body where you have contact with the car. If you don't have the the hands on, on the steering wheel, um, the, the car is not able to communicate on the steering wheel with you, so it's not possible to give their haptic feedback, but you still have the contact with the car over the seat. So I think one of the of the focused parts will be haptic in, in seats to feel whatever will happen with the car. So you need to do something because there are uh, an alert about collision or pedestrian or whatever. So I think um, haptic feedback in the car will be one of the of the points where you will still interact with the car. Um, if you have, uh, I don't know, the, hand, the, the hands or the arms on, on, on the rest, for example, and also the armrest will be a part where you still have contact with the car and you will get maybe some haptic feedback. 
to do something or to maybe um, go back to the steering wheel and to avoid a collision or to to see if you are still in the lane or whatever. Um, so I I personally think that in the the contact to the body will still remain on the seat and maybe also on the pedals if you're if your feet is or your your foot is on on the pedal on the on the guard, on the brake or whatever um this could be another point but i think haptics through the seat will still remain also in 10 years when they start the autonomous driving and as you said the focus is to not to distract the driver from the car but still to um, communicate that the car still needs to communicate to the driver. So also audio, voice control, gesture control, um, all those things will come or will be much, much, um, yeah, much more focused for the, for the future cars. But for the haptic feedback, uh, I think it will still remain in the seat. Thanks, Elisa. I mean, I'm a huge fan of uh, uh, let's say the private uh, communication channel between haptic enabled uh, objects and the humans like Apple Watch. I mean, I, I can distinguish notifications right now. Good job, Camille. So Camille from Apple. Yep. <laughs> um, so you can distinguish them. I, 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 I understand what's going on through the fact that I learned this haptics language that comes from my Apple Watch, right? So, and we know that different automotive has different like a touch feeling languages within their car, right? Um, do you feel that uh, that would be, would you say that would be a challenge uh, for the future because every automotive um, supplier will build their own haptic language for uh, uh, helping the user? Or do you feel that in some way or form they will agree on some, let's say, patterns and the guide, uh, design guidelines to avoid the clear problem, you rent a car, it has haptics, and you don't understand anything because you're not used to that. But that's yeah. dangerous, actually, because yeah, it is. that's important. Yeah, I absolutely agree, and I think that is really a challenge because uh, every OEM has um, an own idea, and designers and the people um, also psychologically uh, will see this 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 problem, um, have another idea how to solve it and how to to do this this feedback, and um, I, I hope that they will find a way to uh, find the standards, and I hope that in for example in the haptic industry forum or on other uh, ways they will figure out some kind of of um, common understanding about how it should feel if I have a al real alert and or if I have, I don't know, a pedestrian or whatever. Um, so I hope they will find some kind of common understanding about this. Um, but as all the car manufacturers are different and they have their own ideas how to, to do things and how to design things, I think this is really challenging. I mean, uh, I agree with you. However, I think in these cases, this is a critical application. I mean, critical means if you don't do it well, you can generate accidents, right? So um, I think it is one of the, it's much more similar in some way of forms, my perspective, like in telerobotics for uh, nuclear application, right? Because that you need to uh, manipulate uh, from far away, but that's a critical application. If you have problems, then, it's, then it's, it generates a lot of problems and it's probably highly regulated. So yeah, that's. I think it's a it's a good challenge. 
And it, in, it, will, it will be interesting to see how it evolves from market forces versus regulator, because I think if regulators see this uh, potential danger, they will jump in, right? Oh, this is not acceptable in this way. We need to find, you know, steering wheel is a steering wheel. Tesla tried to put the yoke, probably in Europe will never be sold because it's not round, right? So, because that, that's more or less, and we see also different uh, geography. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, that's, you have some comments, please. Yeah, no, it's only because I, I know there are some regulations already, for example, this functional safety in the car. So you need the the um, you need both. You need the, um, the kappa sensing and the force sensing. And this is also some kind of regulation which is still in the market. And it's um, uh, is something where it is um, really common to to have. So there's a regulation for this. Maybe it will come another regulation exactly for what you say. So, yeah. That's cool. So um, let's jump back in. So oh, we reached our 30 minutes mark here. So which means we are stopping the audio recording right now and it's time to open up the floor for the questions. So whether you're here in the Teams, please, or raise your hands, I will give you a mic, or uh, type your question into the chat. I will read it through. For anyone listening to our podcast, you're missing out on the Q&A portion. It's usually it's one of the best ones because then uh, the author can and the speaker can go more in depth about what he's sharing. Hatix Club, of course, happens every two weeks uh, in the first day, same day and same time. So just a quick reminder, you can follow us on Twitter or on LinkedIn. Uh, we have uh, in we have our newsletter that will advise you on what are the next events. And I just posted on the chat the our website as well as uh, our Discord channel, newly launched. So we want to build a community of haptics aficionados um, from whatever way or form. We have a lot of uh, academics, we have a lot of uh, professionals inside, we just launched it, and that will be our primary focus to uh, discuss it. Former um, speaker are there, there is David Parisi, there is a lot of other people, and you can also discuss with us. And uh, for the next meeting, we have, I will be on the other side, we'll be speaking because we are going to present a, a book which is called XR Haptics uh, Implementation and Design Guidelines book that will be authored by uh, Chris Woodrick, CTO of Immersion, me, Heiss, uh, which is the uh, Chief Product Officer of Sensiglove, and Rafael Pizeski, which is the CTO of Actronica. And uh, we interviewed uh, uh, the highest expert in the world on haptics and gather their tips and put it with our own expertise to give a implementation guidelines for people to that would like to use haptics in XR and are not expert. So next week we'll be focused about that. I will switch place with Elisa and this is the only time that I'll be on the other side. To our listener, if you have questions, please uh, uh, share them now. And I, for our podcast listener, I I, I salute you and. To the next time.